be a great time. Well, uh, let's dive in. We're taking a, a weekend off from the Mark series so we can talk a little bit about cowboy stuff. And how many of you, I just need to know this, how many of you knew exactly where I was headed with this message when you saw the title on the back of your bulletin? Let me see your hand. Oh, surely more of you. Oh, there wasn't a title on there, was it? Okay, well, um, it's called Eight Seconds. Now how many of you know where I'm going with this? Okay, a lot of you. No, eight seconds. You really know what that is. How many of you have no idea and you're worried that so many people knew? <laughs> eight, eight seconds. Let me explain it. I've called this message eight seconds because in bull riding and bronc riding, in a rodeo, you have to ride the bull for eight seconds to get a score. If you fall off at seven seconds, it's still no score. You don't get a seventh of the score. <laughs> I bet cowboys wish it were that way. You can ride a whole seven seconds and get bucked off, and it's no score, the same as if you rode one second. You have to make it eight seconds. And then they score, there's someone who scores the bull, one to 50, 50 being the highest, and someone who scores the, the cowboy, and one to 50, 50 being highest, they combine them, and that's your riding score. I'd like to know if any of you in this room have ever ridden a real live bull on purpose. One, two, three, four. Come forward for prayer now. We're gonna just <laughs> anoint you with oil. I, I, I just can't imagine. I, uh, I, I looked at uh, a bull from the chute that a cowboy would, matter of fact, I was, I was doing a, I was speaking for a bunch of cowboys who were doing a training camp and they invited me to come and have some fun and try roping, and which I did and had a blast. I grew up around horses, and so I loved to ride and um, actually had a good time. And they said, would you like to ride a bull? And I said, well, I, I don't think I better. And uh, they said, well, how about we'll pick the meanest bull we have? And it was this big old Brahma bull, just mean, just wanted to hurt you. They said, why don't we get you mounted on the bull like we're going to open the gate, but we won't really open it. I don't even know where this is going. <laughs> I really wanted to, tr to get that feeling, and so I did. I climbed down on this bull, and I'm not kidding. I mean, those, those of you that have ridden know this. The muscle and the, just the sinews of muscle, muscle in that back and the way they bow their back when you sit down on them, and when they put that rope, it was this hand, around my hand and tied me in and <laughs> locked me down. I was like, why do people do this. I was scared to death. My heart was pounding, and thanks be to God, they loved me enough not to open the gate. <laughs> I was very happy about that. But I cannot imagine eight seconds on the back of a bull. So here's what I want to do just, just this weekend. Have some fun with me. Use your imagination. James makes this statement in chapter 4, verse 14. And uh, it's not on the screen, but I just want to tell you what it says. Some of you will remember this passage. He says, life is like a vapor. Life is like, another translation says, a fog. It's here one minute, and it's gone the next. So I want to just kind of think about what, what it would it be like if we had an eight-second life. In God's timing, what would it be like to ride that eight seconds of life to the fullest and give it our best? and end up with a score all the way to the end. If you have a Bible, open it to Philippians chapter three. 
There's passion in these verses. There's deep feelings and emotion in these verses. Paul is laying his heart out, and you feel it as he speaks. I want to read verses 12 through 14 of Philippians chapter 3. Listen carefully. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved all these things. He's just had a list up above this. Or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now here's what I'd like to do. Some of you like to take notes, so you can jot this down if you want to, but you don't have to. I want to give you eight principles for a full eight-second ride. All right? Eight principles for a full eight-second ride. Not necessarily just on a bull, but I'm talking about your life now in general. And they're all based on what Paul just told us. And I want to just break these three verses down and look at them with you in these next few moments. The first one is this. Paul acknowledges, I am not there yet. He says in his opening line of going into this, this whole idea, he says, I have not already reached perfection. I'm, I'm not there. I'm, I'm wanting to go there. How many of you are striving to be godly? You're striving. You're clinging to God. You're saying, I want to do the stuff that God is asking me to do. But you realize you're not perfect. You realize you're not quite there. I realize that in my life, and I'm straining forward. I'm trying to run this race, but I realize I'm not there. There's always room for improvement. I must start with the acknowledgement that there are areas in my life that I don't have it all together in. And there are areas in your life that you don't have it all together in. And it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to say, man, I'm not doing well in this area. As a matter of fact, it will release you from a bunch of false guilt if you just acknowledge right now to God, I don't have this part figured out in my life. I still struggle with this temptation, that temptation. If I know the areas where I'm tempted and my weaknesses, I can combat them. I can be prepared to win when that argument in my mind starts creeping in. We haven't reached perfection. <laughs> I was thinking about this point. How many of you remember, was it Happy Days with the Fawns? And, and I think one of the opening uh, clips was when he walked into the bathroom and looked in a mirror, and he pulled out his comb. Do you guys remember this? And what did he do? He pulled it up, and he started to comb his hair, and then he went, like, there's nothing to fix. It's already perfect. When you live your life like that, like there's nothing to work on, you will not live a full eight-second life ride. That's for sure. Does putting on a hat and boots make me a cowboy? Definitely not. You see, just saying you're a Christian doesn't mean you are. We are followers of Christ only if we are actually following him. Let's follow him. Let's pursue him. The second principle is I won't give up. Um, Paul says, I press on. Now, this, this phrase that he uses here, he says it again later, I press on, is, is the idea of I'm, I'm fighting through an obstacle. 
It's this concept that says I'm, I'm pressing on not because it's coasting and it's simple and I have no option. The bicycle's going downhill. All I have to do is sit on it. It's not that. It's I press on even though it's not easy. And when he says I press on, he's thinking about the challenges that he is facing. I remember at a youth camp one time when I was a teenager, they set up an obstacle course. And the obstacle course was started with a 10-foot wall with two ropes hanging down, and you had to jump up on that wall and either grab the top if you could jump that high or grab the rope and pull yourself up over. And then it was a series of, you know, all the stuff you see from mud pits to running through tires to running under the crawling on the ground, all this stuff. And they timed you. And I remember getting to the end of this obstacle course. It was about a 30-minute ordeal all around this campground being so exhausted and thinking, I will never do this again. Paul is using that kind of an idea here to say, life is not always easy. Right now, some of you are going through things you would never have guessed you would have to go through in your lifetime. But you will press on. When that cowboy sits down on that bull and that bull's about to go out of that chute, I'm telling you, there's a press-on feeling. There's a cowboy there who's saying, I'm going to hang on and I'm going to make it through this. The third principle is this, stay focused. Stay focused. Paul says, but I focus on one thing. And then he's going to actually give us two things that are similar, but it's the concept that's one concept. And we'll talk about those in just a second. But before we do, can I, I want to talk about focus for a minute. Have you ever said to your kids or to your friend or to your, maybe your spouse if you're married, just focus? <laughs> what do we usually mean when we say that? We, we usually are saying, pay attention here. You know, um, if you put a pair of binoculars up to your eyes, there's a little thing in the middle that lets you focus them. These glasses allow me Where'd you go? <laughs> no, my eyes aren't that bad, but when I put these on, wow, I can really see you better. And it helps me to be able to focus. And, and in our lives, we have challenges focusing. Paul's saying, you need to focus on something, and he's going to tell us what it is. But the art of focusing is being lost in our culture because of, of busyness. And the kinds of things we, we fill our minds with and our, the activities that we do from gadgets to phones to, to buttons. And we lose our ability to focus on that big picture of God that says, what is my, what is my purpose on this earth? Will I focus on the right things? You don't have to do this, but I'll give you a little fun thing you can do right now. Hold your, put your thumbnail right out as far as you can and focus on it. Now, what happens in the background when you are focused on your thumbnail? What happens? It's all blurry. Now focus on something in the background. What happens to your thumb? It doubles or triples or quadruples or it's just this wide, okay, whatever it is. The idea is that you can't focus on everything at one time. There's something powerful about this. If I learn to discipline my mind and my heart to focus on the things that God has put in front of me to focus on, it will change my destiny. It will truly change my future. That bull rider better focus. When that chute opens, he better be ready. The fourth principle, don't dwell on the past. Paul says, and this is one of the things he said to focus on, forgetting the past. And then he's about to say, looking to what is ahead. That's the concept. 
forgetting what's back there and looking to what's up here. I read some interesting articles this week about cowboys. And I read uh, a couple stories. This is common among professional cowboys especially. Do you know that there are bulls out there that have never been ridden the full eight seconds? Never, not even one time. And the bull always wins. Cowboys want to draw that bull. <laughs> How many of you say, that's, that's a mistake. Be careful what you ask for, right? They want that bull because no one's ever ridden it and it will put them in the history book and it will make them a lot of money if they can ride it and make them famous. They want that bull. I read this one article about a cowboy who had ridden a bull six times and he had never made eight seconds on the bull. And he was hoping to draw it again. Why? Because that was the challenge. That became the obsession. And I, I would think, well, this bull's gotten me six times. Paul is saying, when you look at the past and you see that this bull has gotten you six times, you're probably not going to feel real good about getting on it again. But if you and I can learn the art of saying, I will focus on forgetting those things that I was, those mistakes that I made, those, those things that I wish I could go back and redo. You guys, you, we've all done it. We all have things in our past that we wish we could wipe out. And if you can't think of them, ask someone who knows you. They'll remind you. Isn't it true that in relationships, um, the deepest hurt you can inflict on someone is to bring up something in the past, their biggest mistake? And boy, you can dig the knife in deep. And that's why we should never do that to people, ever. But sometimes... Satan masters that. And he throws that up in our face. And it just takes the ride out of us. It takes the passion away from us. Because we can't get that off of our back. Forgetting those things that have caused you to stumble. Those things that have robbed you from the best that God has for you. Forgetting those things and moving forward in your life. Let's learn from the past. Uh, one article was talking about how this one bull always comes out of the chute in a certain way. And it would spin a certain way, and it would buck one time, and it would spin back the other way and twist to this certain angle. And these cowboys are going to sleep at night trying to feel exactly how that bull is going to respond so they can lean the right way. That's a great picture of how we need to be prepared, learning from our past. If I, if I say, you know, Northrop, in my life, the things that I've blown it in, the things I've made a mistake in, the things that I wish I could do over again, if I know they're back there and I learn from them, then it sure makes it a lot better. If I just ignore it and I keep repeating that same thing and I blow my stack every time over the same thing, I'm not learning anything. Learn from your mistakes, stay focused, but forget those things that are back there. And then the fifth principle, he says, this is also part of the focus, look forward. It says, quote, looking forward to what lies ahead. I think, it takes, I think it takes a strong person to keep looking forward, especially in light of knowing I have a past, and, and think about who is saying this right now. Paul, who was Saul, who persecuted Christians. He has a past, and he's saying, forget those things, and now... I need to keep looking ahead. I, I had, can I tell you one more rodeo experience that I had? I've been in a rodeo, just so you know. This is a true story. 
I, um, I was at a rodeo with Randy and Russ Weaver, who are real cowboys, professional cowboys. I don't know if they still are, but they were then. Tough guys, brothers. And we were good friends, did a lot of ministry together. And uh, we were at this rodeo, and, you know, they have multiple horses, roping horses, other kinds of horses. You know, they have horses for everything. And, uh, and they said, the, the call came out over the speaker, let's get this rodeo started. We're going to welcome the cowboys in five minutes, and they're going to ride in. And you do this big ride with all these crisscrosses and figure eights, and they're carrying banners and flags, and all, all the cowboys come in. And they said, come in and ride in as a cowboy with us. I said, I'm not a cowboy. And they all had their little signs, you know, with a number on it. And Randy said, I've got an old number. I'll just put it on you. I said, really? Well, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do because they go fast. These horses are galloping. And they said, here's what you do. You keep your head looking straight ahead, and the horse knows what to do because it does this every night. <laughs> I said, really? And they said, yeah. So I get on this horse. I mean, these are expensive horses too. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I get my hat on, and um, I had this plaid shirt on, and they put this number on it. And so, man, I'm going in, I'm going in. Here we go. Everybody's taking off. All the cowboys are lined up, and I'm back there somewhere. Randy's in front. Russ is behind me. They're going to make sure I don't mess up. And boom, in we come running in the rodeo. The crowd stands up, and they're cheering, and cowboys are waving their hats, and I'm waving my hat. <laughs> Hanging on. This horse is going in and out and all around and figure eights. I have no idea where we went, but I stayed on the horse. And I praise God for that. That horse knew what to do. Here's the point. Sometimes in our lives, all we need to do is hang on. All we need to do is look ahead and trust God. I let the reins go. I was holding them, but I was not controlling that horse. You know why? I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. But the horse did. You have a God who knows what's going on in your life. And sometimes the greatest thing you can do is drop the reins and say, God, I trust you. I believe you can take me to that place that I can't go to. I will be looking forward. The sixth principle is persevere through the tough times. Cowboys make it through injuries. They make it through tough moments in their lives. And cowgirls, too, I should include. When I say cowboys, I don't mean just men, but I mean cowboys and cowgirls. People who are in that profession, let me tell you, there are injuries there, and they have to persevere. And this is where Paul uses that again. He says, I press on again. The seventh principle is to finish. And this is where Paul makes this pretty powerful statement that I want to just pause with. I press on to reach the end of the race. Man, I sat back in my chair when I was going through this again just a few days ago saying, God, what, what do you want us to hear about the end of the race? And I just felt this little prompting that I want to plant in you. I felt like God spoke to me that a lot of people start this race, but not a lot of people finish it very well. And to have a full eight-second ride you can't just hope and hang on harder. There's skill involved. There's balance that's involved. There's conditioning that's involved. And you're gonna have to be in shape and you and I are gonna have to discipline our mind and our heart and our bodies to want the things of God, to have a passion to be godly. 
to chase after who God really is. If you have that, you can finish. You can make the full eight second ride and you can die well someday. And you can leave a legacy someday. But you have to finish well. You know, I know that a bull rider is hoping to hear that buzzer. Because when they don't hear that buzzer, they know they haven't made it. Look at what Paul said at the end of his life in light of what we've just been looking at in Philippians. In 1 Timothy, Timothy was like, kind of like a son, definitely a spiritual son to Paul. And toward the end of Paul's life, this is what he said in chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Some of his final words. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. Listen to this. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. I have remained faithful. Oh, to say that some day. From this day forward, no matter what your past is, no matter how many mess-ups you've had before, can you from this day forward say, I want to remain faithful to the end to receive the prize that God has called me toward. You guys, I want to make that kind of a ride. The last thing I want to say to you this evening is this. Look forward to God's eternal prize. That's the eighth principle, because Paul includes it he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. See, this is about that purpose. This isn't, this isn't to get a gold medal. This is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. This is to hear the buzzer after the eight seconds. This is that moment when you can step before your God and say, I did what you asked me to do. I walked through the stuff you put before me. I worked at it. I disciplined my life. I've been faithful. And God will give you that, that prize of eternity forever. I love that. If I could just wrap up with one thought, I would say this. I believe we're all being called to make a full eight-second ride. A lifetime it involves pain. It involves challenging obstacles. It might even involve the risk of death at times. But he empowers us to do those things so that we might somehow touch this world and make a difference through the spirit that God has put in us. Will you go the eight seconds with your life? Will you start well and end well? Will you let God give you the passion you need to be the person he's calling you to be? I hope so. I want that. I want it for you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have right now to say yes, to just surrender our lives, our hearts, our thoughts to you. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize Lord Jesus, thank you. I just want to pray for some of you who, right now, a couple of things specific that I think God put in my heart to just ask, and I'm going to ask you just to respond if you, if you want to. How many of you have been bucked off and you need to get back on and you're not sure how to do that? 
not even sure where to start. But maybe it's a past mistake. Maybe it's something going on right now in your life. But you just know you need to re-engage with this God because there is a plan. You need to dust off your chaps and you need to go get back on and trust God to give you the strength. You know what that means for you, whatever that is. I just want to pray strength into you, encouragement into you. If you know that's you and somehow that defines you, would you just right now raise your hand just for a second? God bless you. It's good. Thank you. Secondly, if you would say, I need to release myself from the past, that stuff that's behind me, I just don't forget it very well. And maybe you have plenty of people or an enemy who keeps putting that up in your face. We have to deal with that right now. We're going to pray over you that you'll have that ability. How many of you know that's you? Just raise your hand if that's you. Okay. Good. Good. Thank you, Lord. The last thing I want to pray for some of you with is for those of you that would say, I'm just stepping down on the bull. It's a new challenge in my life. I'm starting over. I've committed my life. Um, but I'm, I know there are risks. And those risks I want to have wisdom about. I, want to, I don't want to do anything stupid. I want to have wisdom. And you're praying for wisdom as you launch this next part of your life. Would you raise your hand, please? Okay. Lord, thank you for just these, these areas. And I know there are more areas, but... Thank you, first of all, for those in this room who just, they know they've been bucked off. Maybe they've been hurt. Maybe there's pain in their life that's beyond what we can fully comprehend, but you can understand it, and you can comprehend it, and you know what it is. And so I ask you right now to give us the strength and the determination to say, I will trust you. I will trust you. Help them to get back on and, and ride this ride for the glory of God. Secondly, I pray for those, Lord, who need to be released from their past, who struggle with this, and the enemy comes and he keeps putting this in their face, and they need to be released. God, they need the strength, the ability to know that is under the blood of Jesus. They have been forgiven. Lord, put people in their life that will never bring this up again, that will help them discipline their life to deal with it fully, not cover it up, but to deal with it fully and then move on. God, give us that hope and that strength. And lastly, those beginning a journey, maybe it's a, the wisdom they need to make good decisions and healthy balance in their life. Father, I pray one last thing just for those that might be in this room that don't really have a personal relationship with you at all. Would you touch them right now for your glory? Would you just be the kind of God that puts your arm around them, your, your heart close to them? If you don't know Christ, if you've not asked Christ, be the Lord of your life, could I pray for you? Could I lead you in a prayer that just says, I really want God in my life? It just goes, it's real simple. The Bible just talks about confessing your sin, believing in your heart that Jesus is God, that he died for you. But it does take faith, and there's a line you cross over, and you, you tie in, you, you rope on, you're, you're committing yourself. Just say it something like this, Lord, I do come to you in faith. I believe you are real and that you are the Son of God. And I believe you died on that cross for my sin, not just someone else's. And I give you my life. I need you as my greatest partner. Help me to live the purpose you have for me, the destiny you have for me. I accept you by faith. I trust you. 
for your glory, Lord. We pray these things. We pray these things in your name. And everyone said amen.